Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. This is Locked On Hornets live here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios right here in the home you love, the city you love, Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man in the middle, David Walker. Let's get it stretched out tonight. Get it stretched out. I got my I got my scarf on. It's cold out there, folks. Well, uh, and, you know, look. It was cold earlier. I'm a little intolerant to cold, I'll be honest with you. You like, so, to, you like to accessorize, though. That's true. <laughs> well, you know, your denim jacket last week inspired me. All oh, right, man. holding down the left block, he covers the Hornets. For ESPN Charlotte, Justin Thomas. You know, last time we were here, I was hoping for a Duke loss. They lost. The Cowboys are 9 1, and James Harden is still cooking, so I'm glad but to be here. Guys. The Cowboys won again. Are you okay? Because last week it was. Yeah, what, do they, what do they have to do for you to be okay? I think is, uh, <laughs> it's not our question of the show, but it's my question for you. Uh, okay, we can't forget the we can't forget the newest member of the team. He's across the glass from us right now. Captain Kurt dropping all the hottest drops in the game. Captain Kurt, the strength of Paul Bunyan and the touch of a masseuse. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, you're gonna hear a lot more of those, folks. So just get ready. We're adding new we're adding new members to this team all the while. It's making this the best Hornets coverage in the game. The best Hornets talk you're going to hear. Of course, we are on a week daily. Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you want those week daily hits, you have to go to iTunes, search Locked On Hornets, and subscribe. Or if you use some other podcatcher, just search Locked On Hornets. We've made it really easy for you to listen and get that dose of Hornets talk every single day. We've got a great show ahead, Voice of the Hornets, Voice of Hornets Radio the legendary Hornets broadcaster Steve Martin joins us at 610. Can't wait to talk to Steve about what's going on with the Charlotte Hornets right now. And, uh, David, you got the rest of the... We've got a preview of tomorrow night's game. Mm. Plus, you may know her from Twitter. And if you don't, then get to know her. Calamity James is bringing the showdown to Lockdown Hornets. That's right. And with that, we launch. All right, time for our weekly opener to the show, the Step Back 3, three things we saw in the past week of Hornets action. David, you're up first. What you got? I love this segment, Doug. And I want to start out with... Well, th- th- thank you. Th- I just want to say that. This is such a fun way to kick off the show. I hope you guys agree. Um, so, yes, my thing of the week, it's just called the thing, because that's uh, sure. what it was. That's, yeah, that's the technical term. I'm going <laughs> to clean up my desk here. I'm a little, I'm a little messy right now. Was this gorgeous... Kemba-like step-back jumper from your man. It wasn't from Kemba. <laughs> All right. Spencer Hawes. Yeah, Spencer gets it here, and uh, oh, a little two-step. There step we instead. go. Oh, well, that's okay. No, we kid, we kid. We kid because we care. Well, listen, I mean, Spencer Hawes, <laughs> you know, he missed his first seven shots in this. It did lead to a, to a three-pointer transition <laughs> as well. But, you know, the thing is, like, he – he missed his first seven shots, but then he stayed with it. You know, most guys, I think that would kill most guys to miss their first seven shots. It's killed Marvin Williams uh, several times this season, hey, kind of getting yeah. out of rhythm. He yeah. got back into rhythm, ended up finishing that game 6 of 14 from the field for 14 points. Kept the Hornets alive there for a little bit. He's been strong. He's been really good this <laughs> season. Do we have my real one? We have I just my real have one? to. Or was that it? Oh, that's it. Oh, okay. Oh, did you, I thought that was your real one. Oh, okay. you, can't, yeah. you can't give me the. <laughs> The it's hard to top that, but I don't want to. I don't want to harp on Spencer every week. Well, I, mean, I have I'm to cape. You know, I, I I caped for. Um, that's what the kids are saying, right? Cape. I caped mm. for Spencer. I don't know. Let I me, caped for him uh, yeah, earlier in the <laughs> sway. What is that? Is that apply here? I don't know. Um, yes. So how sway how? does apply? Okay, good. 
Um, but I did uh, cape for Spencer Hawes this morning on Locked on Hornets, and then our man Hornet Sports Spot on Twitter Ugh. tweeting us, here's a little stat to support your Hawes take. When Hawes gets 20-plus minutes, 10 points, 7.5 rebounds, 2 assists, 48% field goal percentage. So when he gets the time, he's put up good numbers this season, at least early on. So that's all, that's all I'm going to say on that. Justin, what's your, uh, what's your step back three? I'm going into the season, the most important word I felt was health. Mm-hmm. Charlotte has been nicked up. Everyone from MKG to, to Cody to sure. Lamb to Travion to almost everybody. But guess what, guys? I've been I've been feeling a little knee pain too. I feel you, like, and you know, that's I think con- it's leaking it's into this show. It is contagious. But I always have to tell people, you know, when times are dark, there is always light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, Clifford dropped some gems this morning about the health regarding this team. Good. Um, you know, it's, it was a it was a. Um, uh, slight sprain, and luckily, I mean, I don't know, you guys might know more than me, he sprained it a lot. So guys that sprained their ankles a lot, it's not as big a deal. And uh, he's got loose ankles because he sprained it a lot. So he did everything today and he was fine. So you heard from Steve Clifford there at practice. If you didn't catch that uh, beginning part, he's talking about Frank Kaminsky there. Apparently he sp- has sprained his ankle a lot. And uh, that means he has loose ankles. If oh, we there, could... There's even better news. Okay. Jeremy Lamb and Travion Graham are also possible options tomorrow night. I like it. That's good. Yeah, they need they need health, absolutely. All right, real quick, I'm stepping back to this creepy final destination stuff that's been going on with the Hornets team right now. I mentioned this uh, on Twitter, but if you haven't seen this yet, um, Cody Zeller scored 23 points against Atlanta out of nowhere. Best game of the season. And then he suffers a shoulder injury. Still no timetable for his return, even though other Hornets are getting back into action. Frank Kaminsky last night scores 23 points out of nowhere. Again, his best game of the season. Sprains his ankle. All I'm saying is Michael Jordan wore the number 23. He was sitting on the sidelines. This is getting creepy. Uh, here's the tweet. Little little music to go along with it. So there's the tweet. And then, oh, what is that? Hey! Oh, my God. Did you see that? He did uh, laugh. Jordan, he, he like infected my tweet. He got in my tweet. I'm next. That's suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Just play along, okay, guys. So Come on. So you're going for 23. Yeah. Okay. All right. Each week we're asking you, our loyal and faithful viewers, our question of the show. Send us your response on Twitter at Locked on Hornets, and it will pop up on the screen next to us. Or if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, just leave it in the comments. We'll read them later in the show. This week's question is, what should the Hornets be thankful for this season? What should the Hornets be thankful for this season? And feast on this, faithful followers of Locked On Hornets. It's time to give out tickets to Hornets Spurs tomorrow night. Here's what you have to do. Listen carefully. Tell us what Hornets-related thing you are thankful for Via email, buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. We'll pick a winner and give those tickets out. Okay. Okay, we were going to take a break, but it looks like we may be getting Steve Martin on the line, so we'll forego this break real quickly as uh, as we get Steve as we get Steve on the line. This is exciting. We've been waiting uh, to talk to Steve about the Hornets all season. Do we have him? Awesome. Perfect. Uh, If you've been a fan for any number of years, you know our next guest. He's been the voice of the Hornets since the inaugural season in 1988. You can hear him calling every Hornets game this season on WFNZ 102.5 FM. The one, the only, Steve Martin. Steve, welcome into Locked on Hornets. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome in, Steve. Uh, David Walker here. It's it's great to talk to you. We have been looking forward to this for a long time, and we wanted to just get your take on the team. You may know this team better than anyone not named Steve Clifford, but did you expect them to jump out of the gate to that eight and three start? Uh, no, I, I really didn't because I thought really uh, every year they seem to have to change three or four people on the club, and of course they lost Al Jefferson, they lost Courtney Lee, and several, and of course Jeremy Lin. Uh, so you got to introduce three new characters who are going to play a key role either in the top five or the top eight of the club. And I just do, didn't really think that they get off to a great start, but uh, I think Kimball Walker took care of that. Cody Zeller was a surprise. Nick Batum did his thing. Uh, and I think the ancillary pieces that they've added have all uh, helped, especially Marco Bellinelli. He's he stepped up, and in and, and, and the years that he's played his best basketball, he's averaged close to 10 points a game, and there were with San Antonio 
and with Chicago. So I think this is a situation that he feels very, very comfortable in, and, and he's contributing quite a bit at Whiteley. He had 22 against New Orleans on Saturday night. Steve, thank you again for joining. This is Justin Thomas here. We actually spoke this morning. Um, so thank yes, you. We did. Oh yeah. So you know, I'm just glad you remembered. That makes me feel good. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, Justin, me too. <laughs> See, we're, we're both on the same page here. So the Horns have got off to this, this great start of the season, franchise best. They've dropped two in a row. And things aren't looking too great at the moment. How much are fatigue and injuries a factor, and how much can they control these things? Well, every team is played by injuries. Uh, the, the team the Hornets played last night, the Memphis Grizzlies, they've got this year. Chandler Parsons is out, and then they lost James Ennis early on in the ballgame. Uh, so everybody's got to play through them. I, I think uh, on a team where you have so many new pieces, when you have guys who are going to be out, it does disrupt the continuity. This team has had somebody out out of their top eight players in every game since the start of the season, Frank uh, Kaminsky missed the first two. Cody Zellers missed the last two. And they've had one guy in their top eight who's been out in, in each one in between. So that's that's been a little bit of a problem as far as continuity is concerned. The other thing, really, that, that has been amazing about this team, or maybe not amazing, but it's, it's uh, I don't know if this is a role that a coach wants to put himself into, but on nine occasions in the 13 games, the Hornets have trailed uh, yeah. at least by 10 points each time. And on, uh, on on seven of the occasions, they've come back to win, uh, or six of the occasions they've come back to win. So that means only two games have they either let wire to wire or got the lead early in the game and held on to it. So that, that taxes your team after a while. And um, I think, you know, it kind of puts a, it puts a heavy uh, responsibility on the shoulders of Kemba Walker, who is your, your prime-time player when it comes to the fourth quarter. Joined now by Voice of the Hornets, Steve Martin. Steve, you mentioned Kemba Walker earlier, and he's been a huge part of those six comebacks. Uh, for the second straight year, he's made significant strides in his game. His 20-point uh, game streak did get snapped last night, but he's still scoring 24.7 points, shooting above 46 from the field and above 41 from three. People are writing about Kemba left and right right now. Are there any differences you've seen in this season's development over last season's leap? Uh, I think really the, the big improvement with Kemba came last year, and he's kind of taken what what he improved on last year and, and has probably put it more to the forefront uh, because he's more familiar with a guy like Nick Batum. And Batum's presence helps him because in the past, Kemba had to start a possession, and then when guys didn't want to shoot or, out or whatever, they'd give it back to Kemba with three on the shot clock, and that usually doesn't help your shooting percentage at all. But now uh, the, the ball is distributed differently. Nick Batum is dueling with Kemba for leading the team in assists, and many of those assists go in the direction of Kemba Walker. So he gets the ball in different times of the possession, more favorable to, to, to him being able to get a better percentage shot. Doesn't have to rush you. It's a shot block. And so his percentages go up. And he's made a small change in his shooting form that was uh, uh, Bruce Kreitzer, the assistant coach who's in charge of shooting for the Hornets, has, has really helped him with that. And so in the second year of that, that's really improved him. Um, plus, he, he got to take some time off this summer because he was still recouping that, uh, that knee surgery that he had. Mm-hmm. He so sometimes that can be a blessing. It can keep you all. It, it can keep you from overworking in the off season. And so he got just amount of amount the amount of, right amount of rest and was able to come back and 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 really play uh, significantly better than we've seen him in past years. And I don't know if he's on a mission or not. But the thing is, there are players in this league that you know can can give you points in periods one, two, and three. But when the game is on the line in the fourth quarter. They're not there to finish. Kemba's not one of those. No. Uh, last year, he led the NBA in late and close points. That's, you know, your team within four, and in the last two minutes of play, he scored 83 points in those situations. Kemba knows how to finish a game, and he wants the ball in his hands when the ball game comes down to that last possession. And uh, there's nobody on this team that's better than Kemba Walker in that regard. Yeah, it's nice to see Kemba, certainly from a Hornets fan's perspective, do that. A guy who spent, you know, had success in college, came into the NBA, has been in, in for a while. A lot of people said he, he never would make that jump. 
another guy the Hornets have that has success in college, was a four-year player, and who now is having some success in his second year is Frank Kaminsky. Steve, especially last night, I mean, he was a force last night, kept him in that game. But his season has been a bit of a roller coaster. Um, he's starting to show signs of confidence down low and maybe asking for the ball a little bit more. Do you see him becoming maybe that force off the bench offensively that they're looking for or even developing maybe a, a larger role? Uh, I think a larger role may be in store for Frank. Maybe not this year uh, or maybe not in the, in the immediate future, but maybe somewhere after All-Star break. I, hmm. It's going to be interesting to see how he comes out tomorrow night. Um this is a young man who, uh, the thing I like about Frank, and I think you find this in any in any player who doesn't come out after his first year of college and goes directly into the pros. Um, Frank stayed all four years at Wisconsin. He matured, his body matured, his skills matured. He, he matured being in the spotlight, going to a national championship game. Um and that, that really works wonders for you when you get in the NBA and so many things are thrown at you, plus the responsibility of, you know, you're not taking care of everywhere you go. You kind of have to make decisions for yourself. So Frank's got all of that stuff out of the way last year, and I, I think those type of guys succeed more over the long run. The best example I can find is Tim Duncan. I mean, Tim Duncan was a four-year guy at Wake Forest, number one pick in the draft in 1997, I think, or 96. And... uh you know, it had a glorious 20-year career and was a totally developed, ready-to-play pro. And Frank Kaminsky comes close to that, and he gets better and better each time out. Steve, last year, Marvin Williams had the best year of his career. He was shooting the lights out, had career averages across the board. This season, he's played well, but he hasn't he hasn't shot the ball extremely well. I believe I came across a stat that he's 7 of 38 like for his um, for his last shot attempts, is there a reason of concern right now with Marvin's shooting woes? I I think last night was probably the um, the the tip of the iceberg. I think with uh, well, not the tip of the iceberg, but probably the worst performance for Marvin all season. Oh, good. He, <laughs> you know, Marvin does a lot of things for you. His shooting is a luxury, but he does it well. And, and you know, if you look at his three point shooting over the last few years. It's climbed considerably from something like 75 threes to uh, close to 90 threes. And then last year, he had a tremendous season with 152 threes as, as the Hornets kind of changed their offensive philosophy. But Marvin is a smart enough player and a skilled enough player where he's the second leading rebounder on the team right now to Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Uh, he can block shots. He can get assists. Uh, he can get to the foul line, and when his shot isn't going well out from the three-point arc or out of his field goal percentage isn't going well, usually he can get himself to the line and do those things, get eight or nine points off the line, and you're doing okay. So um, Marvin will get back to it. His, shoot, his shot will start to fall, and he'll find his shots in this offense because that's what it's all about. And he should get a lot of open looks because this is a Hornets team that's built on the fact that the ball – must hit the paint before it comes back out to, to hit a three-pointer. And I'll, usually, if you can reverse the ball twice, you'll find an open shot. And the Hornets are pretty good at doing that. And Steve, you've been around the league for a long time. I'm sure you've seen plenty of uh, uh, players, not only with the Charlotte Hornets, but other teams, go through these types of shooting slumps. What's the what's the general wisdom on on fighting through that, that kind of slump? You just kind of keep quiet. And you uh, move about your business, and, and as, a, as a coach, uh, the, the, he's going to be the last guy to remind him. He just mm. and he's probably not going to change his routine. Uh, Marvin will still find himself in the starting lineup. He'll still probably get uh, a representative amount of minutes, uh, and you just have to exercise a lot of patience, and they'll come back with it. Because Marvin probably, you know, we have three, actually two guys, three guys in particular this year with the Hornets who have worked extraordinarily hard in the offseason. And Marvin kind of set this example two years ago. And he said to me, he said, you know, I'm not getting any younger. I mean, I'm just my 12th year in the league. So i got to do a lot of things to get the, this machine rolling. <laughs> and so he had to spend an awful lot of time in the offseason on, on the court. Uh, Jeremy Lamb is another one who has done that. And Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. You will go into the Hornets practice facility, and I don't care what day you pick, whether it's in May, June, July, August, uh, one of those three will be there, probably all three at the same time. So their, their dedication to their work and their craft really speaks well. 
uh, their role with the Hornets and and and, and it's paid off for all of them. See, that's what I keep telling Doug, Steve. I say it's going to, he's coming back. You know, he's Marvin. He's an old guy. He's just, he's just loosening the, the gears there. Wait a minute. Don't listen. Don't embarrass me in front of <laughs> Steve Martin. You know, I, you know, we haven't argued about that. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> here, here was Steve Martin, voice of the Hornets and voice of, uh, you, you know, the Charlotte NBA basketball team for, for years and years, Steve. While we have you here, we want to take just a brief trip down memory lane if we could. Uh, going back to when the Hornets left town, did you think that was the NBA, the end of the NBA in Charlotte? I, I really thought so because you know at the time, I mean, you, you never see. There's never an example uh, of a team leaving a city uh, and then a franchise coming back. There aren't many, if there are any, but I don't think there are any really, and especially not in my town in the league, which is now in its 29th year. Um, so for that to happen is incredible. So I thought. When the Hornets left and went to New Orleans, then I and I went with them. Um, I said, "Okay, that's it." And then what was happening at the time here in Charlotte was, was that of course the Carolina Panthers were in their seventh or eighth year, and they were having a, they'd already had a great deal of success as an expansion franchise in the NFL, and it really they'd kind of taken the city over, like the NFL tends to do wherever it goes. I mean, it it it, it eats up all the oxygen, so. Um, we kind of thought when, when we left for New Orleans that that would be it. Uh, and I was surprised, uh, of course, the, the terms of the, uh, the terms of the, of this town leaving, the angst against the ownership, the previous ownership. I think the NBA thought that market, that, that Charlotte was a market that they wanted to come back to and thus they brought the Bobcats here. Uh, and then, uh, and then the Bobcats called me while I was in New Orleans and asked me if I might consider coming back to reprise my role as, as the radio announcer. And uh, seeing so my wife had moved down with our family to New Orleans, and I, I kind of wanted to be with them, so I, I, I did come back. But uh, I did love New Orleans. New Orleans is a great city, and I wish, I wish they followed their team a little bit better, but I, I do understand the reasons why they don't. Yeah, so that's interesting. So when the NBA was coming back to Charlotte, it was, it was the team that contacted you and not the other way around. Right. I, you know, I was... You know, and that was a year, but and that was the year before Katrina hit, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so uh, I don't, I don't know what would have happened had I stayed. I'd have gone with the team, obviously, to Oklahoma City. Uh, but then, since it's come back to New Orleans, it's it's gone through an ownership change. The league owned it for a while, uh, and then uh, Tom Benson came in, and the Saints took over ownership. Now I don't know whether I'd have lasted through that, but. Uh, um, I was I was quite content as as uh, to where I was. I, I think uh, New Orleans is a great city. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, you would think that whole scenario: Charlotte, New Orleans, Oklahoma City. Get back to Charlotte. You know, that's a that's a great thirty for thirty or some sort of documentary for somebody one day to dive into. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about it because there's a lot of personalities involved in it. I mean, oh yeah, George Shin was the previous owner, and of course he had all kinds of problems. Uh, he had. Uh, uh, there was a, a sexual assault case um, that he was involved with, and that kind of uh, hardened the attitude of the fans in, in Charlotte. Now, I don't know whether they would have been more tolerant about, about it in New Orleans, but they certainly weren't tolerant of it in Charlotte. No. And that uh, forced the franchise to move. Uh, but it wasn't. It, but what it said to David Stern at the time was, look, they didn't move because people didn't like to see them anymore or didn't like to follow them. They just hated ownership. Yeah. So if we bring another team back there, make them throw. And the thing about it is, the thing that's unique about Charlotte, and probably no other city could probably go through this, is to go through expansion not once but twice. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, that's very difficult to do. You know, I remember when I remember when the Hornets first went through expansion. They they moved us from the Atlantic Division and moved us to the Midwest. So we were playing in the Western Conference and then back into the Central. And, and the thought was, hey, and, and, and the commissioner told us, he said, look, you don't need to worry about winning. Just tour the league and enjoy the cities. Have fun <laughs> being out nice. in L.A. and all this stuff. <laughs> you kidding me? You know? And then when you look at the expansion draft and where they put you in the NBA draft every year down around eight or nine, you know, that, you, know you knew it was going to be a tough road to get back to the playoffs. Fortunately for the Hornets, they got into the playoffs in their fifth year. 
Yeah, and two vastly different cities, right? Right, Steve? I mean, the first time around, Charlotte was a much different place than it was the second time around. And that was. Yeah, it was. The city has gone through an amazing uh, amount of growth. And, and, you know, and and professional sports has kind of dovetailed along with it. Uh, The banking industry has grown exponentially. Uh, Charlotte is a major financial center. It's the biggest financial center between Philadelphia and Dallas. Um, there are a lot of, you know, uh, Wells Fargo has an office there. Uh, Bank of America, of course, was MCMB, which eventually became Bank of America, started in Charlotte. And of course, North Carolina benefited by uh, some liberalized banking rules and regulations that allowed them to expand their banks and go into other areas of the country. And so, with that, Charlotte exponentially grew as a, as a business center, and, and uh, the population exploded. Uh, and you were able to sustain uh, and and good enough for the Hornets and the Panthers. They the, the city was able to uh, uphold and stand with two franchises and, and and follow them very well. Yeah, and I think it was a challenge trying to build that team the second time around. How to do oh, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, clearly, clearly. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> and you know. You know, people, and the thing is, is that the Hornets initially, when they left Charlotte, they'd made the playoffs for three or four straight years. Matter of fact, uh, two years before they left, they came within, uh, you know, they had a 3 2 edge on Milwaukee in the second round of the Eastern playoffs. They win one of those remaining uh, two games, and they're going to the NBA, to the Eastern Conference Finals. Heartbreaking. The, you know, I mean, and they're up at halftime by 15, and and uh, Ray Allen and uh, uh, Glenn Robinson and uh, Sam Cassell just tore them up in the second half. And then uh, when they went back to Milwaukee, Milwaukee closed them out in the seventh game. So uh, they came that close to, to moving up into the Eastern Finals and possibly next step after that's the NBA Finals. So, Steve, Steve, what's been most exciting or most impressive about the way the Hornets have uh, rebuilt that energy. It, they've still got work to do. Playoff series to win before the building looks anything like it did in in eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety. But but what's impressed you most about what the Hornets have done to to reinvigorate professional basketball in Charlotte? Well, I think especially over the last now four years that Steve Clifford has been here, there is a definite pattern as to how this franchise is going to be built. And Steve is mm-hmm. an unusual coach because. He's not the type of guy who will sit there and say, well, I know you've got these skill sets, but we want you to do this, 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 and this to get better. And Steve's not like that. He just says, this is your skill. We understand it. All we want you to do is take this particular skill that you have and do it as best you can. And we'll work around it, and we'll build a team around that. And and that's his philosophy with everybody who comes in. He doesn't try to change what they do or, or add to their game to the point you know, that, that it's something that might be uncomfortable. And I think a lot of guys really like that. And, and what you're seeing is is that this franchise is becoming a, a definite stopover for, a, for guys who feel they either haven't had a fair shake in their career or maybe they've had uh, some hard times due to injuries or just the numbers game with other franchises. Um, they've got a lot of examples of guys who haven't got a fair shake from other franchises. They get here. Josh McRoberts was one. Yep. And... Uh, there's no guaranteed success after you leave Charlotte, after you leave Clifford's routine, <laughs> but he will turn you in the right direction. There's only one player he wasn't able to turn, and that was Lance Stevenson. But uh, everybody else, Jeremy Lin, Al Jefferson, um, so I mentioned Josh McRoberts, and now Roy Hibbert is the, is the project in waiting this year. Yep. And uh, he's on a one-year deal, and whether or not he can reclaim what he used to be as a player, and I think we're, we're going to see it, because... You know, Roy's a very smart ball player, and uh, you got to have the right—you know—you got to have the right people talking to him about what he can do as a player. And I think I think Steve Clifford is that person, and he seems to enjoy his playing time here. If he can shake off the injury that he's got to his knee, he'll probably contribute to this team. Well, the tra- uh, very well. Yeah, the transformation has been exciting to watch, and it's been exciting to listen along on WFNZ one hundred two. Uh, point five FM, uh, Steve Martin, Hornets radio play-by-play announcer. Thank you so much uh, for joining us, taking uh, a little extra time out here. And uh, I just want to read this real quick to you, Steve. We got a comment on our YouTube live show from Daniel. Daniel saying, I love that golden voice, so soothing, up there with Morgan Freeman's. 
So you got it. You you compared you compared Frank the Tank to Tim Duncan, and you just got a comparison to Morgan Freeman. So it, it all comes full circle, Steve. Uh, okay. Thanks so thanks so much for joining us. Have a great night, and and we uh, we'd love to have you back on anytime. All right, anytime. You give me a call. All right, thanks, Steve. We'll see you later. Bye bye. Great stuff there from Steve Martin, the one and the only. That was uh, that was excellent. The legend. He does have a great man. Voice. Yeah, yeah, he's made. He really is. You could say he's made a living off of it. Well, yeah, uh, a, a great what, living. He, you know, he mentions Tim Duncan and and Frank the Tank in the same sentence. What does uh, what does that do for you guys? Uh, I don't know if he's going to be Tim Duncan. <laughs> well, I mean, he wasn't. You have to, to. Yeah, I don't he think he was saying production exactly. Yeah, I think he God, was more saying have a sense um, of humor. Okay. Jeez. All right. I mean, I just tweeted it out. We'll see what reaction we get. Uh, Frank Kaminsky is Tim Duncan, according to that <laughs> Steve Martin. But uh, no, I think what he was saying is the four years in college, the ability yeah. to come in immediately, and right. that's the thing about Frank Kaminsky is that when you watch him play, other than this one thing that he does, similar to Cody Zeller, where he drives into the drives into the rim and then doesn't really know what he wants to do with the ball, that's a thing that'll shake out in a few years. But other than that, he hasn't looked lost. In fact. The 23 points that he scored against Memphis, I thought a few of his moves were just veteran savvy. Just knowing this guy, I'm going to attack this guy this way. He's going to react thusly, and then I'm going to do this. Like just sort of step-by-step breaking a guy down in in real time, instantly. I mean, that's the kind of thing you don't normally see even from second-year players. I, I like the move. It was a simple move, but he took Zebo. Zach Randolph baseline for a reverse layup. And yeah. I thought that was really telling because usually younger guys, yeah, younger guys would have, oh, I'm a head fake, head fake, mm-hmm. and I'm going to just take a shot because he's a bigger, stronger body. But for him to have the confidence to put it on the floor and take it right to the rim, I thought that was a very heady play to not settle for the jumper. Like, you're quicker on your feet than Zebo. Take him to the boards. And I thought that was a good sign of, of step one, the step two. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's using his quickness there. He's using his strength in other places where he sees an advantage. He's using his seven, all seven feet of his height when he sees that advantage. And to get started, I think last night he got started with, with an easy one inside, if I recall correctly. And that seems to get him going, which makes sense. I mean, it gets most guys going just to see that ball go in. But he was calling for the ball. I mean, that's the Frank Kaminsky that you saw at Wisconsin his, his last year when they ran the entire offense through him, and he was down in the post banging on guys and making finesse moves when he could. So that's why I think you have to be excited, if you're a Hornets fan, that you're seeing him start to get comfortable. It, maybe it, it's still – They're still growing it's pains. Still, well, it's still – you know predominantly against the second unit of other teams, right? Yeah. Which is, well, hey, it's fine. They play too. Um, but you're seeing that, and you're seeing some scoring off the bench too. So, Okay, we've got a lot more ahead in this show. Stay right there. We want to catch you up with what's going on in the NBA with the help of our friends over at Locked On NBA this week. They had USA Today reporter Sam Amick on, and they started chatting about the Hornets' next opponent, the San Antonio Spurs. Take a look at this. Week on the Locked On NBA podcast. The league is 30 teams trying to find this one elusive championship that, frankly, is determined by having a star, not anything else. So then you get into like, well, how do we make ourselves best? Do you feel like anyone out there has a magic sauce? Do you think there is a magic sauce out there that teams are grasping onto, or that some people have figured out that others haven't? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's the easy answer, but and I thought about this coming in to our chat, David. I mean, it's got to be the Spurs. It's still the Spurs, and, and I think there's more meat on that bone than you know you might think. I mean, some folks might roll their eyes and go, all right, that's not a, an outside-the-box answer, but it's the Spurs because they're doing it again. They, I don't know the numbers, but they lost a number of guys in their front office. Um, you know, Sean Marks obviously going to Brooklyn, and but there were some lesser-known guys as well. Brian Gauss is a young guy who does really good work, and he went to the Timberwolves. And they have restocked their front office shelves with some young, talented people to surround with R.C. Buford and Greg Popovich. And they have a a large staff and a staff that one of the things I love about them is they always kind of make it sound like like the Houston Rockets to get to compare another team. Daryl Morey, obviously, at the forefront of the analytics movement. Uh, But they've always told you, you know, that uh, it's been very clear what their belief system was, and they will hold that flag and say, 
you know, yes, this is how we see the game and this is what's important to us. The Spurs have always almost tried to pretend they weren't in that same bucket, even though they were. You know, they're good at all of it. They're good at the human relationship side and the old school understanding of coaching and what popped those so well, but they're also good at finding competitive edges in every single possible fashion. I mean, and doing that by hiring capable, you know, large staff who do the kind of work that puts them in a position to win. So they're bringing along Kawhi Leonard in a pretty amazing way, and Marcus Aldridge is getting more comfortable in his second season. So they're not just kind of sitting here toasting as one of the elite organizations in the league. They've got their own battles to fight, but they just, they've got a, a great knack of checking, I think, more boxes than anybody else. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, great stuff there from Locked On NBA Podcast with our fearless leader, David Locke. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, giving you a little inside scoop in what Sam thinks is going to be a a championship contending uh, San Antonio Spurs team, and and it's hard to argue with them. Okay, we're going to have a preview, by the way, of the San Antonio Spurs from Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs. That's the cool thing about the network is that you get all of this information. It's all local information delivered every day. Uh, Got to pub the network. Time to get our question. Time to get to our question of the show. What should the Hornets be most thankful for this Thanksgiving? David, lead us off. What do you think the Hornets should be most thankful for at this point in the season? Oh, that's shooting, Doug. Shooting, baby. Yeah, I think the scoring is the big surprise for this team so far this season. We heard Clifford downplay it and 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 kind of uh, forewarn us about that, but the scoring has been good. Um, I was just pulling up some juicy, juicy stats to share with you guys, but mm. while I do that, uh, you know, they're getting you, it from different places. Yeah, you've I think that's the key. And you've had it from Kimba Walker. We've talked about them trying to find that third score by committee. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's Frank. Cody's out at times when he was in there. He was having a good couple games, and that made a difference. Obviously, they're zero and two without him. But um, I think they've been able to manufacture the scoring. And a guy, I don't know if we've mentioned tonight, Marco Bellinelli. I think Steve mentioned him. He's really come on. I mean, I think he's been pretty solid whenever he's been in there. And now he's starting to just rain those three, like those freaking <laughs> cannon shotgun threes from like beyond the elbow. I mean, he he's just launching. Bellinelli, just uh, <laughs> thank you, Stephanie. Ceiling. It's just yeah, no, it's incredibly tough shots that he's hitting. And uh, and he's doing it. He he's not doing it off the dribble. That's important. He's not trying to create his own shot. That's what got him into trouble in Sacramento. By the way, was he had to so often find his own shot. But you're seeing more and more him catch it, maybe take one dribble and fire that thing. And again, that's what you get when you play with uh, Ramon Sessions, who's doing a great job passing this season. Not not so hot shooting, but <laughs> but he's doing. You know, he's, he's you know he's not trying not to turn the ball over. And uh, you've also got Kimba Walker and Nick Batum both delivering, uh, both delivering. To, and Bellinelli, we've seen him leak more and more later and later yeah. with some of the starting unit. You've seen him replace MKG to get a little more offense at the end of games. I think that's very interesting as well. And he's really filling that Jeremy Lin spark plug offensive role. I feel yeah, like. I think that that's a good point. People, I think, are are looking at Ramon Sessions and going, "Hey, you're not Jeremy Lin." Why well, aren't they, you Jeremy yeah, that Lin? That was never going to be the and case. And that's probably a little my fault because I made Mostly some comparisons. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's probably – you could put that one on me. But you're right. That's such a good point, David. Marco Bellinelli is actually uh, – fill- <laughs> that drop that Kurt just hit. Bellinelli. Um, yeah, I mean <laughs> – There it is again. <laughs> so <laughs> he's taking over the Jeremy Lin role. Yeah, man. He just threw you for a loop. He just – you can't – it's this, you gotta learn to it's work this with the storm. Drop. I'm so damn I'm so hot. hot. I'm so hot. <laughs> it could be kids listening to this stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so darn hot. <laughs> yeah, so that's it for me. The offensive production. All right, and Justin, they yeah, can keep what's, it going. Yeah, what's your uh, what, what what should the Hornets be most thankful for? I went back and forth on this. I had some top candidates, but I came out with one. <laughs> and I would like to say the Hornets should be most thankful for the NBA schedule makers. Oh. That's a good I had one. I had some one. reservations about this team of you know they had new pieces and, and how are things going to work things are everybody wasn't healthy they didn't really get a great training camp and for them to get a favorable schedule to start the season it allowed them to get off to a franchise best record yes they've dropped some games I think that's you know that that's going to happen but usually they usually got off to slow starts but this year they're able to get off to a great start and usually the NBA used to screw them with scheduling. 
But now they can <laughs> yeah. send a thank you card because the schedule makers did them a favor. Although I'm still a little upset about this uh, MLK Day game not being here. If we're just going to pick bones. Yeah, well, me and you both. I, I, I used to like going to those games. I thought it was a nice little tradition they had going, but I, I guess, you know, I guess they got to. Were we greedy? Well, I, I no. I, I don't I, think it was too much to I ask. I think well, it's interesting that it was a tradition that was offered to the Charlotte Bobcats. Right. And then now that there's a little momentum going on in Charlotte, it's odd, I think, this was odd to me when it was announced, that they would take a high-profile game like that away, but you never... You know, you know with scheduling, there's, it's, there's so it's much It's done in a, in a dark basement somewhere. Nobody knows what's going on, so... We shouldn't... Um, you're right, computers. though. We, they, they should be thankful for that. And they definitely we should be. We shouldn't complain too much. <laughs> okay, new segment time. What will be a recurring segment? Very excited about this. It's a segment that's going to look ahead at Hornets matchups you should keep an eye on in the coming week. It's hosted by someone with a keen eye for the intricacies of the game, and she's funny on Twitter, too. Calamity James brings us the showdown. Welcome to the showdown with Calamity James. My name is Claire, and here are the matchups to keep an eye on this week. This first showdown will pit youth against experience. Greg Popovich opted to rest veteran Tony Parker against the Mavericks, but the Spurs are 8-2 and two when he starts and 3-2 and two when he doesn't. So far, Parker's averages are down this year, but he has produced uh, scoring totals of 16, 16, 14, and 11 over the past five games. Therefore, Kemba's defense will be a point of attack against Parker's recent hot streak and crafty ball handling skills. If he demands attention like Mike Conley did, it could open up slashing opportunities for Kawhi Leonard or corner threes from Danny Green. The Hornets will gear up for a home-and-home home Friday and Saturday versus the New York Knicks, and it's going to come down to help defense versus individual play. Kristaps Porzingis, Carmelo Anthony, and Derrick Rose are all playing well, while Joe Kimno and the rest of the team have been inconsistent at best. The Knicks' defensive rating is currently ranked 29th, while Charlotte ranks 4th. To win this matchup, that means the defenders must work to stifle the isolation sets the Knicks run for the players who can create their own shots. I'm sure plenty of you are facing a similar dilemma that I will be on Thursday. Will I need to wear sweatpants? Will the tryptophan and alcohol cause me to pass out on the couch while watching football? Probably yes and yes. Either way, I hope you and all of yours have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and thank you for watching. This has been the showdown with Calamity James. My name is Claire, and you can follow me on Twitter at Calamity underscore James, and I'll see you all next week. That's a great follow there at uh, Calamity underscore James. Thanks so much to Claire for doing that segment, and you're going to see uh, a lot more of her each week on the showdown. Great segment. Uh, let's get out to YouTube. We've got a couple of comments on our question of the show. Definitely want to read those. Daniel saying, uh, th- what the question was, what should the Hornets be most thankful for? The culture Steve Clifford has cultivated. And you heard that in the interview uh, with Steve Martin. Uh, he talked about how Clifford basically, the culture is, it's very matter of fact. It's very honest. It's very, hey, this is your skill set. We've watched a lot of tape on you. We know what makes you successful. And and all we're going to do is ask you to do that. And if you can do that, then this team will be successful. And we've seen a certain player type, a player type that's a little quiet, a little understated personally, but on the court has a ferocity. MKG, Kemba, Nick, they just they they attack, they attack, they attack when when the time is right. And uh that that's the kind of player that Steve, or this really, it's a culture. Kind of don't want to take away from what Rich Cho has done as well. It's a culture that I think that the team has developed together. You don't see teams all the time being in sync between coach and GM. That's a great point and something I wanted to bring up to Steve, but it's clear now that there is a group effort with this. You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. it was like, well, this draft pick was horrible. MJ screwed that up. Uh, Cho shouldn't have signed this guy. But it's clear to me, at least, that Cho, Clifford, and MJ are all part of this recipe making uh, so they're they're making the decisions together because they wouldn't be bringing in the guys that want to play for Clifford that they're going to fit in well uh, in the mix. So I mean, it wouldn't be working, I don't think, if they weren't all in it together, all in on the same page, trying to get to the same place. Hey, all hands on deck. Last year, you know, you could tell, you know, the relationship between you know Cho and Clifford wasn't the best as far as the direction of the team and talent brought in and guys they should look at, but. No, it's all hands on deck. I, I feel like when everybody's working collectively together for the common goal, things have gotten better. And look. And, and Clifford needed a contract, 
contract extension, I think, too, at the yeah. time, right? So that probably helped. Everybody's on, on equal ground. Well, and, and Kimba mentioned that, I believe, in a recent article, that it's helped the team, uh, that all of, all, all of their core is, I believe he said he was sweating when they were trying to re-sign Nick Batum and Marvin Williams because he wanted everyone to be on equal footing. He wanted everyone to be together for several years so that they could, you know, part of building culture is not only just bringing guys in, it's retaining talent and retaining the the type of talent that works with your coaching staff and that works with your general management. And, uh, yeah, you just got to gotta love uh, what the Hornets are doing there. Uh, let's see. Oh, hey, hey, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this name. I apologize. But Bar Blanks on YouTube <laughs> saying, I'm thankful for finally being able to watch you guys live. Well, we're thankful uh, that that's happened too. Last week there were a, a few technical glitches, so we've got those ironed out now just in time for Steve Martin to join the show. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're happy. And if you haven't uh, taken the time to uh, go to iTunes and subscribe to us there or uh, on the podcatcher of your choice, just search Locked on Hornets, and you can get uh, David and I and Justin contributing as well uh, every weekday Hornets action. Okay, the Hornets are getting uh, set. Let me pull this video up here. The Hornets are getting – that's not the right one. There we go. The Hornets are getting set to take on the San Antonio Spurs here in Charlotte on Wednesday night. That tip set for 7 o'clock p.m. For a quick look at what's happening in San Antonio, let's kick it over to an expert in the San Antonio Spurs, Jeff Garcia, host of Locked On Spurs. Well, the 11-3 San Antonio Spurs uh, started off their season on fire. Winners of four straight to start the season, including a huge win on the road against the defending West Champs Golden State Warriors. They then took a little stumble, ironically losing at home twice to Utah, and were on a three-game skid. But they rebounded nicely. They have now won six in a row. And look pretty much unstoppable on the road. Speaking of the road, the Spurs are undefeated. They have won every single road game this season at 7-0. and And they're doing it both on the offensive end and the defensive end. On the road, the Spurs are averaging close to 110 points per game. They're averaging close to 7 blocks per game. Close to 9 steals per game. They're shooting on the road close to 40% from the three-point line and overall from the field, 49%, leading to their unblemished record on the road. The uh, Spurs begin and end with Kawhi Leonard. He started off on a tear, scoring multiple games in 30-plus points, and in the recent win versus the Dallas Mavericks in San Antonio, he scored 24 points. In recent games, despite them getting the W, they have had issues turning the ball over. Case in point, the recent win against Dallas, where they started off the first quarter with five turnovers, only to lead to another five turnovers in the second quarter for a grand total for the game of 14 turnovers, leading to 14 Maverick points. But the Hornets might have their hands full tonight against a San Antonio team, at least through the first 13 games, lead the league in free throw percentage and is second in three-point shooting percentage. Not to mention that the starting five for the Spurs have outscored opposing starters in five of the last six games going a combined 449 to 349. And uh, the Spurs once again are ranking among the league's best when it comes to defense. Currently, the Spurs rank fifth in opponents' points per game at 97.1. And on the season, when it comes to facing Eastern Conference teams, the Spurs are 3-0. and Hopefully, it'll be a good game tonight in Charlotte. But I do expect the Spurs to flex their defensive muscles and Kawhi Leonard just be too much for the Charlotte Hornets. Reporting from Locked on Spurs, this is Jeff Garcia. Good stuff there from Jeff Garcia from yeah, Locked on lot, Sports. Jeff. Yeah, there were a lot of stats in there, guys, and uh, not a lot of them favored the Charlotte Hornets. The starters playing well for the Spurs, and uh, we, you know, we heard earlier from uh, the Locked On NBA podcast that these guys are locked in per normal. This is not this is not anything new, by the way. Yeah. Come so on. what? So what do the Hornets have to do? They got to win last season. A lot of that was predicated on Jeremy Lin's performance. No Jeremy Lin this season. Real quickly, what do the guys have to do uh, to get a, a, a victory at home against the San Antonio Spurs? 
Well, I think it's going to take some performance like that from somebody, whether it's Kemba, whether it's Marco, Marco maybe Frank, somebody off the bench. Frank, yeah. But, I mean, somebody's going to have to give him a spark unless the Spurs are just having a real off night. They're, as Jeff said, in his mountain of positive stats for the Spurs, they haven't <laughs> lost on the road. He they brought ha- it. They haven't lost to an Eastern Conference team. Uh, I didn't realize they were, oh, a ho-hum 11-3 and on the season. Of course they are. So the Hornets are going to have to play – Obviously, much, much better than they did against the Memphis Grizzlies, or they'll be uh, packing up for Turkey Day soon. I've been wondering when this would happen for the second time all season, and I don't know if it, could, if it will happen tomorrow, but I'm going to try to be positive and say it does. If they could play 48 minutes of basketball collectively and not play in spurts, mm. I think they'll have a shot. Kimber talked about it after the after the loss. To uh, New Orleans, it's like we, we play in spurts. They're not talented enough to play in sports. Like you have to play a full forty-eight minutes of basketball. That means, and the main thing is no mental lapse on the defensive end. That that can happen. Yeah, that is that starts. has struggled. They have did that because usually when you put yourself in a hole, a offense that's not great has to work harder. And and you don't want that. You want to work smarter, not harder. So forty-eight minutes of basketball cut down the mental lapses, and hopefully they'll have a chance late. It's going to be difficult because again they 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 start you know Pau Gasol and and Lamarcus Aldridge and that's going to be a tough task especially not having Cody Zeller in the game. I mean there's going to ha- I mean that the the front line of Kemba Wall it can't be like against Memphis where where uh, Mike Connolly was consistently getting by uh, by Kemba Walker. Kemba's going to and, and not just Kemba but there are other players and Clifford has mentioned this before this sort of one on one individual defense. It has to be completely on point because if it's not, the the problem with playing the Spurs is that there really isn't an area on the court where they can expose you. And, and if they're not hitting the threes, they can find other ways to score. If they're not playing well inside, uh, they can find ways to score. So it's going to be a tough matchup. Let's go back out to YouTube. Let's say hello to Jorge who says uh, that he's thankful for MKG's health or that the Hornets should be thankful for MKG's health. Don't jinx it, Jorge. What are you doing? Uh, no, just kidding. Oh, man. How about that? It looked like a shoulder injury last night. Yep, it did. Against the Grizzlies. It oh, did. I'm not tweeting about yeah. it. Anymore. I got in trouble the last time I tweeted something about an MKG injury or what I thought was. People got upset because I, I think I, I stirred the Hornets' nest. No pun intended. Um, also, not a peeking in on the show hello friend i don't know what he's referring he says i peek in from work and you do this smh we never know but we always disappoint my hat we always disappoint not a i I didn't know you wore hats number one (laughs) number two i'm i'm sorry that we've done something to make you shake your hat shake your head right whatever (laughs) <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Hey, listen, I don't, you guys can't get me down this show because this is my favorite show of the year. This is a yearly tradition that we do on the show right before Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving starting five. I could not be more excited about this segment, guys. Basically what we do, we run down our point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center position at the Thanksgiving dinner table. It really it tells you something about what you like to eat, Sure. But it also tells you something I think about your soul in general, um, guys. I'm so excited. I don't. Even, I'm not usually a host. I usually toss to you guys. I'm not even going to do that. I want to take this over. I want to get this out as soon as possible. Point guard. This for three years in a row now. Same point guard. I, I've got consistency at the point guard position. Dinner rolls. Why are dinner rolls the point guard? It's simple because you can use them to to sop up juice. You can eat them plain. You can put stuff on. Versatility. They work. They make the other food better. That's why they're the point guard. Shooting guard. I can't explain all these. We don't have time. Shooting guard. Mashed potatoes. Small forward. Small forward. It can be the superstar of the Thanksgiving meal, but it can also be a bit player. That's why small forward. Sweet potato casserole. My particular favorite food at Thanksgiving, the small forward position, sweet potato. Why? Because it's a two-way player. It can be a dessert or it can be a side item. Sweet potato casserole, my MVP pick for your Thanksgiving table. My my uh, my player pick, we're going to do a player pick. I, well, I'll get to that in a second. Power forward real quick. Hey, I'm going two bigs here, guys. I'm going against the grain in the NBA. Two bigs, ham and turkey. That's my power forward and my ham center. And ham and turkey. I want both. I want them both. I want all the meats. All right, what's your starting five, David? 
So for me, the man in the middle is the butterball, is the turkey, okay? Woo! That's what keeps it all together. That's where you go sure. for your dependent low-post scoring. Yeah. And you can always count on that turkey. Okay, it's Jefferson. always there for That's, you. That was the Al Jefferson pick. Right. Now, don't substitute any freaking ham in there. I want my turkey, <laughs> and I want it on Thursday, okay? You can bring the ham if you want to, but it's got to have some turkey with it. That's all i got to say. One okay. year, they tried to take the turkey from me, and I just ended up eating a lot of stuffing. The problem with the center position is when the turkey of the center is when you deep fry it, and it gets a little big. You know, it gets a little heavy in the <laughs> stomach, just like a center. Sometimes when they get a little too big. It can be tough. Big offseason. So shooting off for me is mac and cheese. Now, you don't mm. see this on a lot of teams, but I think mac and cheese makes its way onto the table because it's everybody's favorite. It scores, okay? No one can it's deny true. that mac and cheese is delicious. If you offer mac and cheese to someone, just like you, if you offer a tasty jump shot, no one's going to turn that down. Nobody. You want some mac and cheese. You want some piping hot mac and cheese. That's the shooting guard. I like that. Small forward is the stuffing. I might have to double dip on this, but they stuff the stat sheet, okay? They fill it up Ooh. from everywhere. They play some D. Punny. They grab some rebounds, especially on this team. Michael K. Gilchrist is doing it all out there, bringing the energy and sometimes a little scoring, too. So that's where the stuffing comes in. The power forward is your casserole. It's your, it's your, it's your, your, your heavy broccoli casserole, your green bean casserole, what have you. I'm a particularly uh, favor. Uh, I like the broccoli casserole, so that's what I'm going to go with. It, it just it plants you. Right on the low post. Okay. Right in your Calm seat. Calm down. Okay. Calm down with your motion. We're on camera now, remember. And now I'm going for the point guard. A little surprise pick for you, Doug. That's the pie. The pecan pie. The pecan pie. The pie. Going the sweet, sweet potato at pie. the point guard position. The pumpkin pie. I don't you know agree why? with this. He's handing out those sweet <laughs> dishes. Oh, yeah. He's bringing see, the sweets. Getting... He's bringing the sweets. Uh, see, you're getting – this is what – by the way, if you're just tuning, tuning into the, the show this year – this is what David does. He gets whenever we mm-hmm. like compare to Star Wars characters or whatever, he instead of attacking the spirit of the metaphor, he <laughs> just really goes You're so judgmental with What do you mean? What's wrong with that? That's uh, that's fine. It's clever. All right, Justin, what you got? Starting five. All right. I don't know if I really have positions. Uh, I'm more of a two <laughs> Oh, Doug's Justin's gonna love just this. gonna like Doug's just gonna name love foods. this one. But, uh, Did you not hear I'm the a, judgment I just received? I'm going to start off. Oh, he always kills hey, mine. You, you, leave, just, my you leave Justin alone. Justin, what's your tell you, starting spot? Everybody five? knows the most most important position in basketball is the point guard position. And my favorite food in the world and on Thanksgiving, what is it, fellas? Baked macaroni and cheese. You got to have that at the point guard. Yeah. Let me tell you why. It sets the tone. It gets everything. When things get hectic, you can always give it back to the point guard. And baked macaroni and cheese, it can stand alone. And then for my two guard... I said, mm, I need length. I need versatility. Where did I go? I went with green beans. Yes, okay. I length, said it. People. Versatility. I like I it. I said it. You can. Never I don't know how have... versatile green beans. Oh, are. let me tell you. Okay. V- very yeah. versatile. Well, in my diet, very versatile. It, it can do a lot. It's healthy. It's good, and it's not a mess. It's not. Mm. You know, it doesn't get all over your plate. You know, it doesn't you get... try to do too much. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it plays its role. I like and that. And then. At the small forward position, I call it the walking heart attack, but it's also a walking killer. Fat back. <laughs> you fellas haven't had fat back, good Lord. I'm it's not. amazing. It is a heart attack. You can't have it too much. But is it good? Jesus. It's, it, that, it's that player that comes off the <laughs> bench. It's Jeremy Lamb. I think Jeremy Lamb is fat back because oh. he, he comes off the bench. Sometimes he's going to explode, and then sometimes it's, he's going to implode. I'm going to give you a step higher than Jeremy Lamb. I'm going Jamal Crawford. Okay. okay. Yeah. I like that. Yes. And then, you know, as a kid, I ran track a lot. I ate a lot of ham and turkey. So guess what I do on Thanksgiving? I don't eat any ham or turkey. I go with the unhealthiest thing. Fried chicken. Jesus. You get some good <laughs> wings, fellas. Some good wings. You can have. Hold on. Mm. I can go to Bojangles and get fried chicken. Oh, why? No, no, get no, no, turkey no. and ham. That's, not, that's why. That's not real fried chicken, my man. Bojangles is good for a Cajun filet biscuit. My you want world. some real wings, my man? My world is being torn asunder. Some real wings? Oh, my God. So you're going wings. Yes. I've, I've, when I ran track as a kid, I ate so much ham and turkey, I just couldn't eat it anymore. And then for the center, yeah, center centers are kind of extinct. Wouldn't go, and, go to anything big or massive. Mom Dukes makes this dirty rice. Banging. Mm. I'm telling you. We have no big man. We're almost like a poor man's <laughs> version of the Golden State Warriors. Exactly. We don't have like any that, big man, but we can get up and down the floor <laughs> and we can score. Now, 
if you have a force to be reckoned with down low, we might give up some rebounds, but we can make shots. Well, we're definitely going to go into overtime in this show because I have to get uh, to my player pick. My player pick for three years in a row now is always yams because I, I love to see uh, some good. Great uh, choice. I love to see some good dunking on the floor. Yams, you know, yams dunk. You get it. Uh, and we, you know, we say yams, yamolas. And it's always, for three straight years, it's been Cody Zeller because by this time, he's already delivered some delicious yams for us to check out. But then I saw this recently against Memphis. Check this out. MKG running down the floor, gets the shovel pass like you shovel in those yams from Ramon Sessions. Beautiful dunk by you. Look at this. Yam! Oh my goodness, flying through. So, you know, I guess I guess that's it for Cody Zeller. I mean, I guess he's gonna lose my my Yam Award. Oh, but wait! But wait, <laughs> then I remember this beauty from Atlanta gets the little picket. He's a Roman. Oh my god, God Zeller! Oh what's that I hear from the ocean calling me? God Zeller winning. He wins the Yam Award a win. A, a win. So again. he won again? Yeah. It's third, you, fourth, fourth straight season? You you teased MKG, and then you, did. You, you took it back and you gave it to Cody. Sorry. That Sorry, was, Michael. That was cruel. All right, quickly, your player picks. Me, Batum, stuffs the stat sheet. I'm going back to my stuffing. You did double dip. You did double dip. Double dip. Don't, don't double dip at Thanksgiving, though. That's gross. Justin? You dipped. Every time when I watch basketball, <laughs> I like to see sweetness. I like to see ooh, ah. Uh, you know, <laughs> guess what I'm going with? Guess what Please I'm going with? Please get that drop. Please get that drop. <laughs> guess what I'm going with? I'm going with Marco Bellinelli. My man is giving behind Ooh, the back passes, ah. no looks, and he pulls up from deep. Like, he has confidence in the stroke. That's where I got the sweet potato pie from. Let's read a few comments. Uh, Mark uh, g- getting in here on the comment board. A point guard, gravy, shooting guard, turkeys, small forward, mashed potatoes, power mm. forward. Here's a great one. That's a Beer. One. Yeah. That's a good power oh. forward. Sit, it's calm the down. It's a, it's the, the show's right. almost over. That's okay, we'll go one. out after this. All right, center stuffing because obviously this the is stuffs. me. This is how I block this shots. Is this is 3D. If it's we were in 3D desert. right now, you'd totally, totally, totally be into this. Uh, okay, and then uh, Jorge saying six man dessert. I like. I mean, that's a big category, and yeah, you, can you know have anything pound cake. You know what I thought about Sixth Man uh, uh, was a fried Brussels sprouts because it's sort of in vogue right now, and I think you know it's sort of like one of those power fours that can stretch the floor and, and also defend underneath. You know, no chance. All right, whatever. Uh, since we're going into overtime, no, uh, yeah, I, we'll 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 post this on YouTube. Uh, so uh, because we're running out of time, but we have this great update from our man Joshua Cornelison on the Greensboro Swarm. So if you want to see that, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel because we're going to post that after the show. Uh, Just enough time for one last thing. We've talked about what the Hornets should be thankful for. Let's talk about what we're thankful for. Could be uh, Hornets, could be anything. I'll lead us off. I'm thankful that the teal and purple is back in Charlotte. We talked about that with Steve Martin, some of the dark times. Those are over now. We may have lost the All-Star game, but we have a team that's full of high-character guys that's, uh, that loves winning, and there are a few goofy characters to boot. So I'm also thankful for the team that we have here on the show, David, Justin, our producer, Katie, our newest producer, Dropping the Drops, Kurt, and now we've added Claire and Joshua into the fold as well. We're growing because you guys out there are continuing to watch. You're continuing to listen. You're continuing to tell your friends about the absolute best Hornets talk in Charlotte. And we so appreciate it. And most of all, we thank you for watching and listening and supporting us. Real quick, David, Justin, what are you thankful for? Yeah, I'm thankful Steve Clifford is, trying, is starting to get a little shine for the coach that he is in the NBA. I think people that watch the NBA and have watched the Hornets, obviously, have known that he's building something here and he's building a culture that we've discussed um, the past couple of years. And I think now people are starting to realize just what a good coach he is. And so that's a great thing to see. The first thing, everything that Duck said, I agree 100% with that. <laughs> oh, me, th- too, me too, me too. I'm me thankful too. for that then. Yes, because actually that comment early on YouTube of people watching us live, that actually made my day. That that was great. And the second thing is some national recognition. Yeah. 
Um, people are now from the Sports Center Twitter account. The Ringer just posted an article about Kemba. Um, they're finally getting some pub. They're getting multiple national televised games this season. So I'm glad people are starting to come along and watch this project. Yeah, basketball. ESPN and Marna. <laughs> I forgot about that. I hope doing well, check, uh, hey, check back. S- speaking of, we we said we were going to give away the tickets, and I'm ready to announce a winner. Jorge emailed us. I'm grateful for family, friends, and the hope that the All Star Game returns to Charlotte yes, in 2019. Jorge. That's our Great winner. Answer. Jorge, hey, Jorge, we'll 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 contact you soon. We'll get those tickets out to you for Spurs and Hornets. That'll do it for us on this live edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks to Steve Martin for joining us live. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes and stay up to date on the Hornets every single day with us. We want to hear from you. Email us your Hornets thoughts, your questions, your comments to buzzbuzz at hivetalklive.com. For David, I'm Doug and Justin and Kurt and Claire and Joshua and Katie. Go Hornets. Go America. Why not? Let's swarm Charlotte. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.